Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the Alumni Association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. What is up, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. I am Drew Addison, your host. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Cavazos, also known as Producer Jacob. It's great to be back. We are missing one bird today. Uh, Yvonne is out running around doing big girl stuff, so someone's got to work. <laughs> someone's got to make money. But uh, hey, first, I really want to say thank you so much to everyone that has tuned in so far. Uh, we actually have officially hit over 1,000 downloads. That is awesome and incredible. So excited about all that, man. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for the support. It's just been a blast putting these together and making these. So for you all to be downloading them, enjoying them, sharing them we, we just couldn't appreciate it anymore yeah the feedback has been awesome just getting the word out is really kind of the key of where we're at right now you know really only being three episodes in uh well technically this being the fourth we can't be any more happy with the result that we have so far but uh, thank you all so much we really appreciate it and don't forget to continue to share like comment subscribe do all those things it really does help us a lot to, to spread the word and get more runners engaged so let's go ahead and just get this thing kicked off. I'm sure those of you that follow the social medias have seen that we have the UTSA license plates that are still available to order. Last check, there was 115 plates that have been ordered so far. Out of how many do we need? Yeah, we need 200. We need to get to the 200 number to get these finalized and, and available to the Runner Nation to have on their vehicles and out in the tailgate lots and all that stuff while we're going. So we're close. We're, we're more than halfway there. So um, if you haven't checked it out already, visit the Alumni Association webpage. Um, it's got all the information that you need there to do a one-year, do multi-year with the license plate. They look sharp, so uh, take a look at that. Let's help get us to that 200 mark. Yep, and as previously mentioned on the Eric Souza episode, we did have a couple signed footballs uh, that are available. We were giving one away. The deadline was September 1st to share that episode. The winner of this first signed football is Rosendo Garcia. Thank you again so much for helping spread the word on that. Somebody from the Alumni Association will be in contact with you to set up the arrangements and the, the logistics of getting that football delivered. We'd love to meet you as well. Yeah, we want to get a picture of that too, get that shared yeah, out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have one more football we'd like to give away. We're still trying to figure out what we want to do for that just yet, but there is one more opportunity to win a signed football from Eric Souza. With the episode today, we met with the Alamo Dome Audible podcast guys, both of them being alumni, Adrian Bermudez and Jared Kalmus. You know, their, their whole podcast, the Alamo Dome uh, Audible podcast, is based around UTSA football and Conference USA primarily. And then they also go into other sports. Yeah, UTSA. They'll, they'll talk about UTSA basketball. They'll talk about the Olympic sports. I mean, their their knowledge of what's going on in UTSA athletics and the, the takes that they have on it uh, is kind of second to none. It was pretty awesome, man, yeah. because, look, when we go into the depth chart of things, you, I'm not sure what second and third string, you know, the, these guys coming in and backing it up. The research and the time these guys put into all that really kind of helps you understand what kind of depth that we have on the team. Yeah, I was just listening to their uh, Illinois preview podcast before we recorded this, and they were going into the the third and fourth string nose guards and talking about transferring in and and what that means to to the depth position of the line. It's just like wow, we are really really diving deep into this, but it's right. their knowledge is is unparalleled and. I don't know. For me, it just—I think they really identified. They've been doing this podcast of theirs for—I mean, over five years. Yeah. I think five or six years. I think they really identified. You know, talk about ingenuity. Identified a gap. Um, there's there's a 
community of roadrunners out there who care passionately about uh, roadrunner athletics, and they really have been able to dive into that space and and fill a need that uh, building a community of roadrunners who who care deeply about that, want the content. It's been really neat to see them grow. I would recommend for any fans that are out there of UTSA sports, period, uh, look up Alamo Dome Audible. Just Google it. It'll take you to all their socials. It'll take you to their their PM. Yeah, that, that Patreon deal. Yeah, they, Patreon. Yeah. Yes, yes. They also have uh, Spotify and, and other podcasts platforms where you can actually sit back and listen to the the other content that they're putting out as well. Yeah, and, and this is probably a great time to to get into them too. They during the football season they're releasing an episode a free episode a week anywhere that you get your podcast. And it's recapping the previous game, it's previewing the upcoming game, it's going into um, athletics news. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go ahead and, and check them out. They're great alumnus. Um I had a really good time, even though I, I'm a regular listener to their podcast I had a really good time hearing their story. Like yeah. I didn't know much about them personally. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So we go into their experience at UTSA. Adrian's experience at Sosa. He was on the original marching band for the for the f- first football game. There's some sort of weird tie that we have with these, <laughs> with these episodes. But. Somehow someone's related to bands. Oh, I know, I know. But look, it's a really great interview. We really appreciate the time the guys uh, spent with us. I do want to warn the listeners that me personally had some audio difficulties, so I do apologize in advance that the quality on my in does not sound very good it's clear enough to where you can hear what i'm saying but you know other than that i mean it's a great introduction to adrian and jared and their experience at utsa as well as a preseason rundown yeah. of, of you know what we can expect from the football team who to look for the player likeness ordeal yeah. and, and their partnership all that is included in the interview um, again thank you guys we really appreciate it do stick around for after the interview for more utsa news and event details that you won't want to miss Birds up. Birds up. Beep, beep. Guys, you know, we obviously really appreciate it. You know, we've been to y'all's podcast for a while. And for our listeners, we highly recommend for the alumni out there to tune in to the Alamo Dome Audible podcast. Like I mentioned in previous episodes, it is, in my opinion, one of the most comprehensive sports podcasts for UTSA. So, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys jumping on. Hey, thanks, sir. It's an absolute honor to be here. And I hear that we're following up some uh, pretty big UTSA names, so I'm feeling a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. It's just a big deal, right? But thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Well, all right. So Jared and Adrian, you guys started the Alamo Dome podcast six years ago. Yeah. So... I graduated in December of 15, and then I I just kind of started working with Jared, writing UTSA content blog-wise for Underdog Dynasty, shout out. And then he was already doing the podcast. So it's six years of Jared and Adrian's existence of Alamo Dome Audible, right? As a duo, yeah. As a duo, yeah. uh (laughs) But Jared has been at it just by himself, (laughs) dude, from day one. And that, that, that predates Alamo Dome Audible way, way back. Yeah. Somewhere out there, either on a hard drive or on an internet site somewhere. I don't know, but somewhere there's still a recording of me previewing the Northeastern Oklahoma State inaugural game, right? <laughs> you gotta and find that. Oh me my and gosh. the co-host were like scrambling because it's not like you go to the rival site for Northeastern Oklahoma State and like find out who their top guys are. You know? <laughs> but, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm very, very blessed and privileged to be able to say I've been covering the program since, uh, you know, day zero, I guess, like uh, with Hooker. Mm-hmm. Our standard episodes are pretty much everywhere. Podcasts live for the most part. You know all the all the standard outlets. A lot of our subscribers listen to us on Patreon. As we do have like a premium audio feed there as well. So like during the season, we'll do at least like one 
uh, bonus episode and we've started like kind of added, like integrating some interviews into the regular episode, but then we'll have like a full unedited version on our Patreon site as well. So that's P A T R E O N.com slash Alma Dome audible. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're easy to find. I think we're on social media and all that good stuff. So uh, we're, we're a quick Google search away. I would say. It was not difficult to find you guys. So anyone who's listening, look up Alamo Dome Audible podcast and check it out wherever you listen to your podcast. It's, it's really great. Adrian, let's go ahead and start with you. Tell us about how did you end up at UTSA? Uh, why did you choose UTSA? And what was your journey like through school? Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a great question. A good story that I enjoy telling. Interesting how I got there. I, I guess I just sort of one way or another fell into UTSA. Uh, senior year of high school, uh, just kind of went through the standard application process with no really clear uh, set agenda. You know, I just kind of started submitting applications. I was in Houston, grew up in Houston. I'm in Houston now. And the status quo was just kind of go to U of H, right? And it was actually my mother who told me that I wasn't allowed to stay in Houston for college. She was like, <laughs> you got to go somewhere else, live somewhere else, you know? see the world for, you know, for lack of a better term. And so that's the, that's typically the opposite of what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> no, well, let, let me just, uh, to keep it short, uh, there was nothing good for me in Houston at the time yeah. when I was 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, it, my mother had the foresight to see that I did not And so we took a trip to UTSA once upon a time as a senior, like towards the end, I think they called them roadrunner days. Like as a senior, you could go visit campus for a day and so my mom and I drove out to that. It was probably like May, had a couple of weeks left of school. And I actually had an aunt and an uncle, a few cousins that already lived in San Antonio, a Stone Oak area, matter of fact. And so I got to campus. I fell in love with it. It was almost a no brainer. And whenever I, I was a drumline kid in high school, I played the quads and tenors. And so when I got to campus, I, I learned of, you know, the very first year, there was going to be a football team. Very first year, there was going to be a marching band and a drum line. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You get to be a part of the first one. More so than that, I learned that the home stadium was the Alamo Dome. And when you grow up Texas high school marching band, the Alamo Dome is the host of the state finals. That's the pinnacle. Absolutely. Every single year, that's the Super Bowl. It's, right. it's in the Alamo Dome. That's the marching band Super Bowl in Texas. And so every year you get on the coach bus, you schlep on out to the Alamo Dome. And it's a big-ass deal, man. And so when I learned that the home stadium was the Alamo Dome, I mean, that was just the coolest thing in the world, right? I visited with Ron Ellis, shout out E, still the director of this day. And, and he told me, yeah, we got a spot. We got a spot for everybody. Come on out. We've got a drum camp. So perfect. I mean, it sounded awesome. We actually finish up Roadrunner Days, and my mom and I are leaving UTSA and the other visit was to Texas State, San Marcos. And my mom was like, do you still want to go visit Texas State? And I was like, no, I, th I love it here. I think I just want to go here. This, this, I, I mean, the second I was on campus, I fell in love with it. I felt with how modern it was. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of felt like home. The layout of it, the geography of it on the hills. I mean, it's just a beautiful campus, man. And, and it really just felt warm when I was there the first time, being in the Sun the first time. I, I totally remember that moment, right? And so I kind of made my decision right there on the spot going to UTSA. Thank goodness I didn't visit Texas State because uh, that campus is like four times the size of UTSA. So if I would have seen it, I would be like, whoa, this is crazy. I probably would have ended up at Texas State, right? So I'm just being all honest. And so ended up at UTSA a couple weeks later. I went to the drumline camp. I was able to just crash at my aunt and uncle's house with my cousin. 
We're pretty close in age. So of course she was able to take me out. We had a bunch of fun. I ended up staying for a few weeks after Joe Mike was there. I just stayed in San Antonio. I pretty much oh, wow. just went back to Houston to pick up my stuff for a few days and just bring it back. But I, I pretty much moved in June, <laughs> kind of right away. And, uh, I lived with my aunt and uncle that whole freshman year there in Stone Oak. Yeah. I was a nephew moved into aunt and uncle's house. So the running joke was fresh Prince of Stone Oak. And, uh, <laughs> Amongst my Thea and Theo, yeah. So that was cool. But yeah, I made my little uh, drive down to campus. It was like 15 minutes every day. So I was like couch surfing as much as I could because that 15 minutes, I mean, you were apart from the UTSA world. So that whole freshman year, I was surfing at University Oaks or the Outpost or right. Hill Country, just trying to be there as much as I could, right? And by sophomore year, I, I moved down to campus and got an apartment at the Outpost. Oh man, that's awesome. And so it kind of reminds me of just the fact that, you know, you were in the first marching band of Sosa. Obviously you're at that first football game. You know, what was it like from your perspective sitting out there at that game? Man, it's really, really different for the marching band because here's what a lot of people don't realize is that the very first people that, to come out of the tunnel at the Alamo Dome was Sosa. Mm. Before the football team came out, Sosa came out. You had 56,000 screaming UTSA fans in the Alamo Dome. And the very first thing that they saw was Sosa. I mean, they went ballistic. I mean, crazy. So I'm in the very, very back of the tunnel. Everyone's geared out. Adrenaline's pumping. And you can hear how loud the stadium is. I mean, but, but you can't see it because you're in the very back of this tunnel. And it's just this long, long, long shoot. You can see down it. And all you can really see is the turf at the end. But as you right. march out closer to the mouth of the tunnel, your field of vision expands and you can start to see the bottom rows and then the second and third and then the 10th and 12th and then the 20th. And then, and then you see the, the second level, the club level, and then you see the third level and they're all packed. Every single row is packed. So as you're approaching, you know, the mouth of the tunnel, your heart is just pounding. You're seeing how packed the stadium is. Your eyes are wide, your jaws drop, sweating out of control. And uh, your heart's racing, man. You finally get to the front, and it's so, so loud. By the time we start playing, I kid you not, it was dead quiet. You couldn't hear anything at all because the wow. white noise was so numbing to your ear. I promise you. I mean, I couldn't hear me hitting my drums. I couldn't hear the horns in front of me. I couldn't even hear the crowd. It was quiet. It was like mute. It was so loud. That's the moment I'll, I'll never forget. We went down the field, came back up. We stood there. We're playing the cadence now on the other side of the field for the players to come out smoke starts going the fires fireworks and fire pyrotechnics everywhere football team comes rushing out and that place is just going nuts by the time it's all the pregame's over we're walking to our section in the stands and people are like hanging over the first couple of rows in the Alamo Dome like embracing us high fives and hugs it's crazy <laughs> and it was like a rock star moment but it was so epic and, and heavy and yeah I mean it was electric man that, that first game anyone that was that I, I imagine everyone on this podcast was was there. We came out the tunnel, man, and I, I can't even describe it's like being on that field. Or I guess I did the best of my ability, um, but it doesn't do it justice. Well, that's an incredible experience, man. My wife and I, we were on the third level of the Alamo Dome, so the tippy top of the game. And you right. know, it was funny, uh, what I think about when I look back on that game and our experience with it, you know, like everyone was excited that there was football in San Antonio. I don't really remember seeing a lot of people wearing a lot of UTSA gear because there really wasn't a whole lot of it. Right. Say football related. So you actually saw a lot of people wearing a lot of different schools gear. But like we had mentioned in other podcasts, no one knew what to expect out of this program, out of this game. 
especially where we are today. I mean, it's incredible the amount of development that's happened over these 10 years, you know, so. I like that you said no one knew what to expect. And I think that's what was so bewildering about how crazy impact that first game was. Okay, yeah, so sorry. then sophomore year, yeah, I lived at the outpost. And at the end of, towards the end of sophomore year, and the reason why I left Sosa actually is because I wanted to get a job. And um, yeah, the band schedule was just too demanding. So, you know, I, I was like a delivery driver at a pizza store on Fredericksburg for a little bit. I hated it. And so I, I was searching around on Craigslist of all places, and I came across Segway Tour Guide. Looks phenomenal, right? Awesome job. And the, and the pay was pretty good, and you get tips, and why the heck not? And so I, I sent in a resume, and I like at the same time, I kind of just pledged AKSI, which is the business school fraternity. And, and the whole pledging process is pretty much learning how to do a professional interview. It's like resume and cover letter building. So I had like this cool vamped out like Cadillac of a resume that I sent him <laughs> to Segway Tours. And they were like, what the heck? Right. They were like, yeah, you had the best looking resume, of course. And they kind of hired me right there on the spot. That's why I went down there. But the job, the nature of it was just phenomenal, man. It was a small team. There was about three or four of us. But I mean, we were jam packed all day, every day, downtown San Antonio on the Riverwalk. I mean, the shop was on Houston Street on the corner of the Majestic. And the Majestic was next door to the shop. It's still there now, 260 East Houston. It's downtown, the best of the best of downtown San Antonio, to be quite honest with you. And um, I had this whole experience of just taking people from all around the world, teaching them how to ride a Segway, which is a just incredibly intimate experience to have with another individual. So, <laughs> You have to now navigate them. And dude, I mean, we're talking about groups of like 15, 20 people on segways. <laughs> navigating them through downtown San Antonio in the middle of a summer Saturday, summer Sunday, the weekend where it's just packed. Everything, the Riverwalk, the Alamo. I mean, you name it, Rio Plaza. We're telling them all the stories, the history of the town. Man, it was awesome. But it was, it was so different to be downtown. I'll say that's probably what I appreciated about it the most. You know, when, at UTSA, you're in the UTSA bubble, but downtown San Antonio is a completely different place. So I got to experience, you know, like the river rat scene and, and, and being a working person downtown. And that was just really cool to be around the hustle and bustle. I was down there when the Spurs lost and then won the NBA <laughs> finals. I mean, I was there for all of it, man. I remember I was so ingrained and attached to the city. I really converted to a San Antonian for those years when I was a Segway tour guide, man. What was one of your favorite stories to tell when you're trying to make sure no one drives in front of a car? And One of my personal favorites there around Alamo Plaza was the story of the Emily Morgan Hotel right next door to the Alamo and how the positioning of that hotel. It's the only skyscraper in the plaza because you can't cast a shadow on the Alamo. That was the best job I've ever had in my life. I mean, I would do it right now. If I could make a sustainable income to provide for an adult life, getting Segway tours, damn it, I would in a heartbeat. If there's any alumni listening, Adrian is ready to start a Segway business. So uh, we're going to get this GoFundMe going. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, Jared, uh, so you were a first-gen student, weren't you? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so uh, my parents did a couple of courses at the community college and all that, but I was really first to, in my family to kind of go away to university and, and get a degree. So like UTSA was a perfect home for me in that sense, you know, feeling, feeling comfortable that there were a lot of people in my shoes that were there, as opposed to some of the other schools I looked at where – having that kind of background would have made me a bit of an outcast, you know? And I, I still feel that way in my career sometimes too. Like now that I'm an adult, 
it's just like it's a very different upbringing that I, I'm sure a lot of listeners can can relate to because they probably had that similar similar first gen experience. It's great to be able to talk to you, being a first gen, and, and hearing about your experience at UCSA. Uh, you know, coming from Victoria, uh, which is a solid three hour drive, how did you end up at UCSA? So in some ways it's similar to Adrian's story. In some ways it's different for me. Like I really wanted to go out of state. I guess when I was a junior in high school, and like I was kind of planning for that. So I was like looking at schools in mostly the Northeast and some of California. But I graduated high school in 2009. So as you guys know, pretty drastic events happened in 2008 right. financially. Right. Uh, so a lot of the money that my family had saved up to afford for me to pay for out of state tuition kind of vanished overnight. So I was like, ah, you know, it's fine. I'll start looking in state options. So I went out toward Baylor and I toured Rice and I toured UT and I'm like, they're great schools and they're nice, but something about it just feels like antiquated to me because I didn't grow up with that kind of traditional college mindset, I guess. Right. right. So I was like, I was kind of dragging my feet through my senior year and like, I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I was in this like writing class my senior year of high school and the teacher said, Hey, uh, UTSA has this writing scholarship. And you know, if you guys want to apply for it, you know, let me know. So I did that and I actually read an article about the future of journalism and how like community reporting is going to be a big deal. And that definitely happened. So that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. um, so I ended up winning that scholarship. It was, it was really small, but it, awesome, it got, man. it got me to go to campus and like, actually turn my submission. Cause I like really procrastinated. Like I had to turn it the last day. So like while I was there, like I did the official tour and I was like, man, like I feel like UTSA has like what I wanted to see from all those like quote unquote bigger colleges where there's like these fancy new buildings and like there's like the sense of energy and all that. And, you know, coming from Victoria, like it was kind of interesting because like not a ton of people from Victoria go to UTSA, but for what it is, like a lot of like cool kids like end up at UTSA. A guy that I played football with was on the football team the first year. Um, so I like got to watch practice because I was like, oh, I know Brett, you know. <laughs> um, we had someone on the cheer team. Uh, the first Rowdy Wrangler, Ali Likes, uh, was actually a close friend of mine from Victoria. So there's like this kind of cool pipeline, I guess, like Victoria nice. to, uh, to UTSA, which is still ongoing. Like I still hear about cool stuff that, uh, people from Victoria are doing on campus all the time. Awesome. Um, so that was like, it got me on my radar. And then I got a scholarship and like once I did my tour, I mean, it was, it was a no brainer decision for me. Like I always like want to be on like the cutting edge of stuff. And like UTSA was the only campus I'd been to that it felt like its best days were ahead of it. You know, and, and like, obviously that's been the case, right? So it's, it was sure. worked out perfectly. Yeah. Like you guys kind of touched on a little bit that, you know, well, while the school has been around for a significant amount of time, there's still room for, I guess, a lot of growth when it comes to developing the tradition side of things. Just being a part of the start of a lot of things, seeing a lot of new things begin at UTSA and uh, a lot of the academic talent that's coming in. And then obviously the sports talent that's coming in as well. I do want to get y'all's thought on where the football team is today coming into this next season. I kind of likened it to the transition of football team culture from the Coker days to the Wilson days to the now the trailer days. I feel like the players are becoming more engaged as a team rather than individuals. What are your thoughts on where the team started with Coker from a cultural standpoint to Wilson to trailer? The culture standpoint, it's, it's hard to say because I think it's like a used car salesman term when it comes to football coaches, right? And it's like everyone says they have a great culture until they start losing, right? right. So with Coach Trailer, I, I think his focus has been really interesting because he's really bought into the regionality of college football. If you look at the game across the national level, like there's recruits that come from every state, right? But the best teams tend to have most of the recruits come locally. 
and there's a stronger attachment to the program because those people probably grew up going to the games and they're going to stick around through hardship more because they're close to their family and stuff like that. And we have seen with Coach Trailer a, a huge increase in the number of like San Antonio based athletes on the roster and recruiting as well. Uh, we continue to see a real focus, like not only on incoming freshmen recruits being from the San Antonio area, but also like reaching out and getting a lot of these guys that went to Oklahoma State or they went to Houston out of high school, but making sure they have a spot welcome for them to come back onto campus in their hometown and be able to contribute. So I think that's been a big part of it, as well as like hiring coaches that have Texas ties as well. We've never really seen that before at UTSA, and it seems to be playing, paying dividends so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll also add, I think through the phase of the eras that we've seen from Coker, Wilson, and Trailer, the football program has really matured. We've really seen just a tremendous growth of UTSA football as a program, as an institution that exists among the rest of Division One football and, and kind of conducts itself the way that it should. Whenever we were young, baby program, we were exactly that, and it showed. Uh, and, and there were just a lot of small things that we weren't kind of aware of from a branding standpoint, from a uh, recognition standpoint that we needed to do better that we weren't doing at all. And uh, you saw Wilson come in and do a heck of a lot better than what we were doing with Coker. And then trailer gets here along with, you know, the arrival of Lisa Campos and uh, a whole new athletic department, essentially. And we've really seen tremendous maturity for just a 10 year old program. We actually now function and look and act like a division one football program. And that's kind of been incredible to watch over the years. Us, us get better at things like media campaigning, those sorts of small little things that are branding our image that really, really has stepped up big time. The facilities upgrade as well, right? So, I mean, we have the race center. Obviously, that's going to have a big pull on what the recruitment's going to do. You know, that's obviously a big part of what these student athletes are looking at whenever they're being courted by these universities to come and play. What are your thoughts on the freshman player coming in and then the transfers? Who should we all be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, it's it's hard to say that a lot of incoming freshmen are going to play a lot this season because UTSA was in a position financially and from a rules perspective where they were able to bring back almost all of their seniors from last year. So competition for playing time is going to be tremendous, right? Yeah. Um, but there is an incoming freshman that's the highest rated quarterback that UTSA's have recruited. His name's Eddie Lee Marburger. I wouldn't expect him to play this year, but I think if UTSA's in some situations where they can't get him on the field, they're going to try to do just that. He's a guy who rewrote the South Texas record books when it comes to quarterbacks. Super explosive athlete, you know, had the opportunity to go play at the Power 5 level for Colorado and chose to stay close to home for UTSA. So I'm super excited to see what he can do. Wow. Um, as well that, as another running back from Converse Judson, DeAnthony Lewis. Since mm-hmm. McCormick's been incredible, uh, but DeAnthony Lewis broke every single record that since McCormick set at Judson and okay. had a lot more scholarship offers. Wow. So that's insane to think about. I know the hashtag uh, let ELM cook was going there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of fans across the state and they're not just UTSA fans. I think like Texas high school football fans in general are just right. love what he's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, well, I mean, since there's going to need a break every now and then, man, because I mean, he can't run the ball every yeah, totally, time. Totally. Yep. Tell us a little bit about y'all's partnership. How did that come to be and how does the partnership work? We knew that we wanted to pursue something with the name, image, and likeness opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of snuck up on us because I had been monitoring the situation. I'd seen a couple of states 
introduced some legislation to allow student athletes to, you know, kind of pursue these opportunities. And Texas was one of the states, but it was looking like it was going to be maybe a next year thing. And then the NCAA kind of scrambled and pretty much said like, hey, anything goes starting July 1st, I think it was, right? So we were caught off guard a bit, but we knew we wanted to do something in the future to support the student athletes. But we just didn't want to do something like, here's some money, you know, shout us out on Twitter. I mean, right. we'll probably still do some of those things, but sure. we wanted to do something that was going to help the student athletes develop professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. So what we have going with Frank Harris and we intentionally pick Frank because I've had a few interactions with him and our creative director, Aaron Livingston has as well. And like, we just know the type of person that Frank is. He's going to represent us well. He's going to represent himself well. He's going to represent UTSA well, right? Yeah. I've met yeah. his family. Like, I know where he comes from. So we wanted a student athlete that was going to be a good ambassador. And we wanted to help him enable himself and set himself up for bigger and better things than just, you know, some rinky deep podcast that these two crazy alumni <laughs> put together, right? <laughs> so what we're doing with Frank is, you know, he's going to promote and endorse the podcast. Uh, we've designed some professional personal branding for him to use. You know, we're going to create some t-shirts that have a really cool logo for Frank on them. And of course, we'll be sharing that profit with him as, as those sell. But our hope is like, we're going to give him kind of like the marketing backing to really promote himself and chase down some bigger, better opportunities that uh, set himself up for his future. That's awesome, guys. Hey, do you mind from a kind of 30,000 foot perspective, what do you see the name, image, and likeness doing for a school like UTSA that's in a major market comparatively to the other schools in Conference USA? Do you see that as a competitive advantage? Yeah. Well, I guess first, I, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, because all this stuff is so new. So when we say name, image, and likeness, in the past, student athletes have not been able to essentially make any money while they're in school because you can't really work a job when you're a student athlete because like you got to maintain your academic workload as well as your athletic one, your training and all that. But now the NCAA is allowing athletes to do like a sponsored Instagram post and saying, hey, go buy a car from Ansira and Ansira, you know, we'll give them $50, $200. Going great seems to be around that for most athletes. They can also do appearances, they can do autograph sessions, stuff like that. And so it's all brand new, like all this just started. So we're still trying to figure it out. So when it comes to a school like UTSA that's located in a major media market, there's kind of been two schools of thought leading up to the introduction of these rules. A lot of folks thought that maybe a school like UTSA, you know, a South Florida and Tampa, schools like that, that are in these big media markets, um, that there's so much advertising money to go around that it would be kind of dispersed so much that the student athletes wouldn't really have as many opportunities. Uh, but then on the flip side, a lot of people thought that, hey, like there's just more business there, right? So like even if you're getting the small 1% of marketing dollars, it's still going to be more than being in, you know, Lufkin, Texas or, or something like that. And sure. It's too early to really tell. Data is just starting to trickle out. But it seems to be that the schools that are in these big media markets, at least for uh, like G5 programs, it seems like schools like UTSA are, are having more opportunities presented to them. I know like I've informally been tracking and I see like different endorsement deals from UTSA athletes probably three to five times per day. I've only seen one for Texas State, right? So we'll have to see how it plays out long term. But I think like this is going to be a big selling point to athletes like, hey, you're going to come into San Antonio. There's no pro football team. You're Mm -hmm. the biggest football show in town. So We'll see how it goes. That's it. Early returns look good. That's it right there. That's a, that's a big, big point is the fact that UTSA really is kind of the main show when it comes to football. And 
there's some exclusivity there in that market. And not to mention San Antonio is a major city where small businesses thrive. And there's other major cities, especially when you look at the top 10 populated in the U.S., unless that San Antonio is on, that small businesses do not thrive, especially not the way that they do here. I mean, you know, you could be watching a major program and get a local commercial. Imagine that, you know, car auto and body detail commercial or Bill Miller's commercial having your UTSA lineman on it. That's the reality for the San Antonio market. I think it's a particularly perfect storm for San Antonio specifically and UTSA specifically, where it's it's really, really an advantage. Or you're on your Segway tour and you got the face. Uh... <laughs> oh, that would be money. Yeah. Right, get that Kickstarter going, man. Yeah, Sincere yeah. McCormick Segway tour is the speediest Segway in might be That might be the one where Jeff Taylor comes out and he's like, look, I can't have my guys on those Segways. <laughs> So Illinois coming out of the gate this season. What do you think about that game? It's very winnable, I would say. They have a new head coach. Upset alert hats on? Is it? Uh, I don't know if you can call it an upset. Oh. So right now, Illinois is favored by less than a touchdown on the betting markets. You know, depending how fall camp goes and like injuries on both sides, I I think it's not unrealistic to say UTSA could be favored in that game heading into it in week one. Mm. I haven't done all my film prep on Illinois yet. I'm still trying to get through the UTSA, Conference USA stuff first. But they do have a new head coach coming in. That's Brett Belima. And he has been at what, Wisconsin, Arkansas. He loves to run the football. And UTSA is really good defending against the run. Their front seven on defense is really, really stout. So I think from a schematic standpoint, I think UTSA is going to align really well. It's just when you go and you play these teams, even a school like Illinois who's picked to finish last in their conference, they're still a Big Ten program. And from a sheer talent recruiting standpoint, they still have a bit of a leg up, especially as you go deeper down the depth chart. So a lot of it's going to come down to like endurance and stamina. Can UTSA's first string and second string stay in the game for a pretty mm-hmm. good amount of time, right? That's yeah, I was going to ask you guys what your thoughts are on the depth of UTSA coming out of first string. What do the guys look like that would be coming in to back those guys up? I think it's the biggest change that we've seen under Jeff Trailer is there are guys that are not on the depth chart or probably won't be on the depth chart this year that wouldn't have been a surefire starter back in like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, there are guys on this roster that were heavily recruited by power programs that were all state performers that it's hard for them to get playing time. That's the biggest change. I think at the top end, there's definitely a lot of guys that are better than anything UTSA's had before, but it's deeper in the roster that I, I'm seeing the biggest change. Where like that right. third string offensive tackle is six foot five, three hundred ten pounds, whereas four years ago they were probably six foot three, two eighty. Yeah. yeah, it's there like it has never been there before. Depth. Yeah, we have I guess the tail end of this next season. I mean, it's all conference games, right? So the the four that are non-conference are obviously Illinois. You got Lamar coming in the second game. That's our first home game. Then Memphis and then UNLV. We didn't get to play Memphis last year because of COVID. How, how do you think that's going to play out? Uh, Memphis has been, uh, I'm afraid to use the word powerhouse at the G5 level for the past five years, but they've been really close. I mean, they yeah. have taken UCF like to the wire in the conference championship game, and they right. haven't seen many times. They've had two different coaches go on to power five jobs. Like They've been incredibly successful, uh, but they've lost a lot. 
over this past year. They're going to have a new starting quarterback. I think their head coach is still kind of unproven. So it's going to be a tough game. Probably not a game that UTSA is going to be picked in to win, unless things really get crazy those first two weeks of the season. But I'm super excited for that one. That's my road trip game. I'm going to Memphis. I'm staying on oh, nice. for that one. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a very, very fun, very close game. Well, if UTSA can get the win, it'll be probably as awesome post game as it was when we went to the Baylor game in Waco. And got the win. You know, it's hard to get in trouble in Waco, Texas. So I think it'll be even more fun. <laughs> we we found a kind of way to ride that line. It was uh, it was crazy. The, the Baylor fans were actually really nice and uh, didn't give us too bad of awesome. a time. So it was a good time. So the next couple of years, I forget how far it extends out. You know, we have UT, the top dog of the UT systems on our schedule. What do you think about that contract and how things are going to play out with that playing relationship? It's interesting, man. Will, will UT be in the SEC at that point <laughs> by the time that we play them, Jared? I think they're going to be there next year, to be honest. They'll be there next year. Contract- yeah. Contractually, they'll be there in 2025. But you know how lawyers are. like They're going to find a way to get out of that contract and get it next year. I mean, I look at the relationship of UTEP to UT because that's a matchup that you get semi-regularly on your televisions. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that UTSA stands to have a much more significant sort of relationship than the one that UTEP has with UT. I think that just the close proximity of the two, the crowd attendance is going to be phenomenal. And I do think that UTSA, um, you know, Maybe not competitive, but at least maybe hold their own better than they did when I think of those old OSU games that we used to play back in the days, right? But it'll be interesting. I think, though, ultimately, UT being better is better for UTSA. I think a better big brother is better for all of the little programs as well. So I hope they can have some success. It's something that I've been thinking about really since the beginning of the program is like, how awesome would it be for UTSA to play UT and then, of course, you know, as the day wore on, the conversation of that topic would continue. It would turn into, well, UT is probably just afraid to play UTSA. They don't want to get <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, lest we forget, UTSA took A&M to the fourth quarter when uh, 2016, yeah. right? So it's yeah. not another question. Happened. Crazy things can happen any, any given Saturday, right? Yeah, that was, that was, get one of those in the Alamo Dome, though, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can make that happen. I, I seriously doubt it will, but you know, look, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. take it however we can get it. If UTSA beats UT, we got to go burn some couches. Are you kidding me? That would be. <laughs> We're going honking for sure. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> Are you to be honking on a Segway? <laughs> I think you'd have a split San Antonio demographic at the UT UTSA split, game. Oh, be generous. Split orange shade there. Yeah. Well, I don't want to ruin your uh, season preview episode. I know y'all got coming out, but I know Coach Trailer has talked a lot about last year, 2020 season. We're not even expecting it to get played at some point, but he's come out multiple times. I've heard him and say, "Hey, we could have been 0 and 11, or we could have been 11 and 0." And, as you look at the schedule for this year, just overall, even the conference schedule, I mean, I think there's been a lot of arguments made that looks pretty favorable to UTSA. I mean, what, what's your early assessment as you're looking at the schedule of maybe where some trip ups might be or some opportunities might be or what you're thinking overall? Earlier when we were talking about the NIL and player sponsors, I used the term perfect storm. I'm going to use the term perfect storm again here. Jared mentioned earlier the amount of upperclassmen of seniors that we have at the front end of the depth chart. And then the miles and miles of just depth we have behind that. You look at the schedule, man, and, and I haven't seen a schedule that's favorable for UTSA probably since our earlier, earlier years with Conference USA. Typically, we're handed a pretty grueling out-of-conference schedule. 
And um, just the competition in CUSA seems to have sort of leveled out a little bit over these last couple of years. At least UTSA has gotten more towards the upper echelon of it, so it makes it easier for us in that regard. But, I mean, the out-of-conference is, besides that Memphis game, I mean, everything I do have UTSA favored in and the other three, I think the sky is the limit. I think you got to put a bowl win as your goal for the season. I think for your lofty goal, it's, it's got to be a conference championship, at least an appearance in one of those. And and I don't think it's that ridiculous to put those expectations on this team, considering the schedule, considering the roster that we have. I don't know, Jared, is that preposterous? It's not preposterous. Jacob, I'm really glad you mentioned that quote from Coach Trailer because I have perpetually been, I feel like the UTSA pessimist or realist yes. or, or yes. whatever you want to call me. That, <laughs> yes. that goes back to the big Murray game. I saw people on Murray's got a great quarterback. Watch out, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't want to like rain on any parades, but I do want to like dampen it a little bit, right? Because UTSA could have lost a lot of really bad teams, right? Texas State missed one extra point in field goal in double overtime. Middle Tennessee airballed a two-point conversion that would have tied the game with one minute left. SFA was a one-score game. There was one other game that I think there was a turnover that we got pretty lucky on, right? Yeah. So, and it most was of those are early in the season, though. I mean, most of those were pretty early most on in the yeah, season. Most of them, yeah. Before um, we sharp, but, sharpened the iron a little bit. But also, it's so hard to look at what any team did last year and, and to know what's going to be a realistic mm-hmm. expectation for 2021 because there were a lot of games UTSA played against teams that were missing 20 guys with COVID, right? Sure. And UTSA right. was, sure. you know, to their credit, they didn't have a lot of positive cases, but will that hold up next year? I don't know. Like agents, right? The schedule is pretty much like a dream for UTSA. You know, the biggest game of the year is that matchup with UAB. I would say probably a 70% chance that whoever wins that game goes to the conference title and mm. UTSA is getting UAB in the Dome this year. So, we need everybody listening to the podcast in the dome. We need forty thousand plus just rocking about to blow the roof off that place. I'm gonna say that's the biggest game of program history, to be honest with you guys. Wow. I guess over the last couple of seasons, I mean, we've been looking at you know significant downturn in numbers to the stadium, especially in the student section, which was kind of disheartening really mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Um and it's something that I brought up in previous shows where you know, what is it going to take? You know, obviously the, the short answer is a winning season. It, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. I think from a better tennis standpoint, I, I think that's going to work itself out over time. I, I have a lot of friends that stopped going to games in the Frank Wilson era just because the games were really boring to watch, to be mm-hmm. blunt. I mean, it was very like old school football, low scoring, not a lot of action, not a lot of like daring heroics or anything like that. And, and that has absolutely changed. Or a Jeff trailer. I mean, every single game has yeah. been an adventure. I, for better or worse, like they've always, they've all been entertaining mm-hmm. like from a student perspective too. I mean, I think like that helps a lot. Just having points on the board. And I think it's all going to work itself out. I also feel like there's a lot of pent up demand to like go to a live sporting event. Sure. Um, exactly. Exactly. I just saw on Twitter today that the university of New Mexico has like the first increase in season ticket sales since 2014. And <laughs> they're like 70% of what their season tickets were last year already. And so I went and looked, I'm like, man, did they have a good season last year? And I didn't see, but no, they only won two games last year, but people are like <laughs> ready to see some live football. <laughs> So I should go to say, I mean, if New Mexico is selling season tickets like never before, like, I think we're going to be okay at UTSA this year. Dude, yeah, I think you nailed it. With The pandemic may be the saving grace of UTSA football attendance because I, I think that there's a lot, a lot of pent-up demand, like you say, Jared. And then you couple that with how good of a debut season Jeff Trailer had 
while everyone was watching from home. There's now this desire to be at the game. There's a good product to go to the game to see. I think a lot of students are going to show up there. If you win, they will come, right? We've been saying that for a long, long time, but now the wins are starting to finally show up. Now, I don't know if we can get back to the 56,000 that we were talking about from week one, but can we get back to 25, 35, 40 in the Dome? Sure, absolutely get back to 30, 35, 40 for a big game. I don't doubt that, and I think that's an absolutely reasonable expectation for this fan base, for this team. The timing of that UAB game uh, is November 20th, for those that are listening. Second to last game of the season. By that point, all systems should be firing. We should have a solid winning season by that point, hopefully, and it should carry over to where where we do take on UAB at the Dome. It should be all firing, man, so super pumped about that. Yeah, that could be for the Western Division. You had mentioned how many seniors are on the team this year, and I really feel like this is kind of a defining season for Coach Trailer to say, here's my guys. Granted, that some of the players are still from, our majority of the players are still from the Wilson era, but it gives them a chance to kind of put a stake in the sand. Because, I mean, last season, with how crazy everything was with COVID and still coming out, number one, being successful with keeping the cases low, uh, but then having a good overall season, this next season is really one for him to really kind of put it out there. Are you guys at all worried that next season, 2022, with the exodus of players leaving, how do you think Coach Trevor is going to be able to handle that? Mm, that's a good question. Great question. It's a super interesting thing to think about because traditionally there was kind of a set turnover when it came to college football scholarships. Mm-hmm. So every every program's allotted 85 scholarships. You can use 25 a year, right? And you pretty much know what your numbers are going to look like year in and year out. COVID changed that drastically. So while probably like 90% of college football programs are going to play with your standard 85 scholarships, this year UTSA somehow got the money to bring back a lot of these guys who were granted an extra year of eligibility by senior. So UTSA is playing with like 96 scholarships this year. I don't know what anonymous donor put up the money for that, but if you know, my DMs are open at Jared UTSA on Twitter. (laughs) So it's very interesting because there's a lot riding on the season. There's a big financial investment to have a big year. I think a lot of the young guys are not going to get a lot of playing time. So I think if we do see a situation where obviously the 12 super seniors are going to be gone because they're going to be out of uh, eligibility and a lot of guys are going to be sophomores and juniors, but they've already graduated, right? So they might be, you know, hey, you know, I got my degree. I'm going to go see what else is out there in life, right? Um, So there could be a situation where UTSA overnight could have a really young roster with guys that haven't played a whole lot. And they're going to have, still have a lot of talent because the recruiting has been really good. But it just it's so hard to predict what's going to happen because to throw another wrinkle in that, theoretically, every single player on this team can come back in 2022 with the exception of those 12 super seniors. Mm-hmm. So it is impossible for me to sit here and to tell you I know exactly how it's going to play out because you right. say it could be the most experienced team in the nation in 2022 or they could be one of the youngest. Well, what do you think is the best move? Coach, if I was Coach Trailer, obviously I'd want my guys to stay. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you almost have to rip the Band-Aid off. Of course, you know, if those guys do stay, it gives those younger players an extra year to kind of figure the systems out and be much more effective on the field when it comes to their time. But we've seen it in the past with the football program where the coach comes on, has a really good season, has an okay season, and then has a bad season, and then they roll off, right? And I think that's yeah. pretty normal across the board in college mm-hmm. football. But do we rip the Band-Aid off or do we just try to hold on to these guys as long as we can? 
Yeah. And of course, you know, with most things in life, the answer is going to be somewhere in between, right? right. Like there's going to be guys that they're going to have to have a hard conversation with and say, look, we would love to have you back, but you're not going to be getting to playing time that you would have got mm-hmm. last year and, and, and vice versa, right? There's going to be guys that they're going to yeah. be begging and pleading with like, please stay, please stay. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think like certainly like the program's going to have to restructure a little bit to make sure that there's a good balance between the underclassmen and the upperclassmen. I think like as the season progresses, we'll probably see some of those younger guys step up into big roles. I think most people have probably seen on social media and stuff like UTC has a lot of transfers coming in. But right. traditionally, when you get a transfer, most people just assume that they're a junior or senior already. But that's not really the case anymore because the NCAA right. now allows freshmen and sophomores to transfer without penalty. So, like, as an example, UTSA has an incoming freshman wide receiver named Kennedy Lewis, who was about a four-star recruit when he signed with UT. But, I mean, he's a freshman. He's got four years to play at UTSA. So, mm-hmm. a lot of things are changing, not just for the university and for the conference, but across the whole landscape of college football. And mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far, I think UTSA is doing a great job of taking advantage of all these new opportunities, name image yeah. as being one, transfer portal, the extra scholarships, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating times to be covering the program and being yeah, yeah, you got to be ready to move forward into the future. And that's kind of been UTSA's whole premise as an institution. It's really, really cool to see how that with football, it's kind of correlated because with this baby program, all of a sudden the landscape has changed. Players can be sponsored. They can transfer kind of left and right willy nilly without permissions. And uh, we are just young. I mean, not even teenagers. And all of this is happening. And then we're learning how to function as a football program in this landscape. It's crazy. But the biggest difference, I'll say, when it comes around this time, because UTSA has suffered in the past from mass exodus, mass graduation, mass alumni exodus. And uh, it's hurt us. You know, the, the phase from Coker to Wilson, there was a huge dry spell where there just wasn't enough talent on the team to come after those, you know, that original 18 squad. And so now we're going to have virgin experience on that field when these guys leave. But the talent level is going to be so much higher that I think the gap is going to be significantly less than, than what UTA experienced in the past. That's a great point, Adrian. I've been doing position previews for every position that UTSA has, and it's been like mind blowing to me, like looking at these guys that are, they're not even going to be in the depth chart, but they're guys that we would have been going crazy over a couple of years ago. And I think if you go back and you look at some of the rosters from like that 2013 season where UTSA was really good, uh, that 2016 season where UTSA was really good, I think the talent was, I hope people don't misconstrue this when I'm going to say this, but it was kind of fool's gold. In the sense that there were a lot of really good players at the top of the roster. A lot of them went on to have professional careers. Guys broke records. But if you look past that, there wasn't a whole lot. So when those guys left the program, I mean, you were left with a UTSA team that had walk-ons starting and playing key roles. And you know, not to say that like, walk-ons can't be great. But if you can find a guy who does the same thing as him but is three inches taller and two times as fast, obviously you're going to take that all day. We were plug and play and we were finding transfers, finding walk-ons. I mean, we were desperate for help anywhere we could get it. I mean, we were so unprepared. We just didn't have anything behind us, you know? Um, And so we've got much more foresight and, and we're stacked across the board. When we look at the depth chart, we look at the position chart in the past, you know, we maybe have been so over concentrated, like in one single space, but then we didn't have any depth anywhere else. Right. And so it was weird. And so we've learned these things, kind of what I was talking about earlier as a football program maturing. These are kind of those things that we figured out, but there was a learning curve. There was growing pains there that that we had to figure out. I would agree. When we were watching the games, it was almost as if just something was off, right? The offense and defense just weren't clicking. Like they weren't playing at the same tempo or, or whatever it was. So, I mean, I really feel like that that's kind of the biggest benefit that I think Coach Trailer is doing is 
he's making the team realize that it is this is a team and that it's going to take both sides of the ball to work together to make this thing successful. This is really, in my opinion, really the first year that I think that we're going to be able to see a true connected football team come to the field and make things happen. And hopefully, like you said, man, I want to see the 25, 30, 40,000 people in the stands, especially at that UAB game. Yeah, Andrew, and to your point about culture and, and being team focused, you know, it's pretty incredible. I, I did a, an article for underdogdynasty.com this week where I went through the transfer portal and I looked at every school in the conference that had players leave and had players come in. And there were a lot of schools that had 10, 15 players leave because they can go somewhere else and they can play immediately. They don't have to sit out like they right. would in the past. UTSA, I think, only lost like two players and they were not guys that had big roles in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so to know that like a guy like Rashad Wisdom or Sincere McCormick or Sakari Franklin, like all of those guys, they could have went pretty much anywhere in the country. Anywhere. Yeah. Right? And they all stayed. Right. They were able to even bring guys from other programs and bring them in that could have went elsewhere. So I think there is a lot of buy in mm-hmm. internally right now. And I, I think these guys really love Coach Trailer. Um, no, you, you really can't quantify how significant that is for that many players to be bought in and to like the culture so much that they're not even entertaining the option mm-hmm. of leaving, going right. anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. There's a real commitment here. And, uh, I were massive fans of Jeff's trailer. I sure am. I think that, you know, we're really kind of at the cusp of seeing a massive turnaround in the program itself. And uh, with that being said, final question, sports related to you guys. What do you think the final record is going to be this season? Can we disclose that, Jared? Are we, are we <laughs> allowed to do that? No, that's not, we can't do that. Definitely on, on your season. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of giving away the goods, right? If anything else, you know, I do want to point the listeners over to your podcast, Alba Dome Audible Podcast. Fill us in. Let us know where everyone can search you, find you, all that good stuff. So Twitter is the one that is different. On Twitter, you've got to look up at Alamo Audible. Everywhere else, we're alamodomaudible.com. On your Apple Podcasts, on your Spotify, on your Google Play, it's all Alamo Dome Audible. On Facebook, we're Alamo Dome Audible. Instagram, Alamo Dome Audible. Yep. Twitter handle is Alamo Audible. Just too many characters. And and that's just, it's too long to do Alamo Dome Audible. (laughs) Too many characters for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then for me personally, uh, I'm really active on Twitter at Jared UTSA. Like I said, I'm the Conference USA editor for underdogdynasty.com. So I do a lot like covering all the other schools that UTSA plays against. That's a great resource, right? So we obviously want to know who we're going to be playing and finally get y'all's insight of what the honor record is going to be to see how close you guys are. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, I haven't decided yet because <laughs> I haven't literally looked into like UNLV yet. I haven't looked into Illinois as close yet. Yeah, he gives it a whole lot of thought, focus, and, <laughs> you know, deliberation. A lot a lot of internal deliberation happens with Chad. I, I, I mean, feel Adrian like Adrian plays it from the heart. I feel like Adrian wants to go 11 and 1. I can feel yeah. it. Yeah. And that's my thing, too. Adrian, Adrian, man, like, I, I talk to you to like call any losses, man. I mean, this is my heart that we're talking about here. Uh, definitely, I think we try to offer that differing perspective, you know, and, and I'm definitely the, the heartfelt, hardcore fan. And that's genuine, man. I really do stand behind my predictions and It'll definitely be a favorable one. It'll be a prediction that gets us maybe an extra game. Six bowl. I think that's where you're going with us. Maybe maybe (laughs) an extra game or two to play in the in the postseason. So yeah, awesome. You know, we talk about UTSA and tradition. You know, before I let you guys go, Jared, you have to explain to me the whole covering Rowdy with tinsel and potentially starting a tradition. Wow. Okay. Great story. So we're gonna take this back to 2014. I guess it was because it was the year I graduated. So. 
there is a statue that's behind the, oh gosh, I forget what all the new names of the building are because I'm, I'm so old, but there's a statue behind one of the university centers right now. And it's like a, like a border crossing statue, right? And that statue used to be in the middle of the Sumbria quad area, right in front of the JPL there. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. then they moved that and they had a big like rowdy bird statue that's there now. But I guess the statue came in before the foundation did or something. So they were storing this awesome bronze rowdy statue just like in the middle of a building on campus. <laughs> I happened to stumble past it one day. And I want to say it was homecoming week. I don't know. But my friends and I thought it would be a great idea to go on campus. And we're going to buy a bunch of navy and orange tinsel from Hobby Lobby. And we're going to like wrap that statue and that tinsel for homecoming and take pictures with it. And uh, so we did that. And like, we like, we're all sneaking around campus. Like we're going to go to jail if we get caught or something. <laughs> and I still have the pictures. I, I was just looking at them the other day and wow. I was like, Oh, that was fun. Like, you know, it was college shenanigans. But then like, I think the next year or the year after that, I was like on Instagram and I saw pictures from like either Fiesta UTSA or best Fest or something like that. And Rowdy was up on that stand with the blue and orange tinsel wrapped around nice. it. Like, Whoa! Like, nice. did I start that? I don't know. I don't know if <laughs> That's awesome. Not, but I'm not going to deny that it, there's a high chance it's a pure coincidence, but I like to think I at least, I, I birthed it into the universe. You know, I you put that so, man. You <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a timestamp on that photo. <laughs> well, guys, look, we really appreciate your time, your insight on the season to come. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense that college football it's kind of one of those things that while you can be somewhat predictable on some of the teams, college football is a wild horse, man. You just never know where, yeah. where it's going to fall. And, uh, you know, we're excited about the season. For all the listeners out there, make sure that you tune into Alamo Dome Audible to get all of your UTSA news. Again, it's, it's not just football. This is all sports. And then you guys touch on, obviously, bringing guys on like Jacob and myself that are not exactly sports oriented but you know we enjoy the the talk and enjoy y'all's research and the time you guys spend and putting together great content so thank you very much thank you Drew. absolutely thank you guys so there you have it runner nation the interview with the alamo dome audible podcast fellas jared kalmas and adrian bermudez Really great interview. It's really kind of great to see that sort of perspective and that sort of in-depth research those guys do on on UTSA football. I'm excited to really kind of see what kind of plays out here. I mean, I know that you and I are going to be diving into their podcasts weekly. Yeah. What's going on? Absolutely. They'll definitely be a resource for us staying up to date. But it's a great, fun way to kick off the season. I mean, it's an exciting season. Seems like it has the possibility to be a really special season. But yeah, those guys do great work. I'm so glad that we got to have them on. Yeah, absolutely. As as we sit here today, this is week one of UTSA football. We're going into the football game against Illinois. Illinois last week just beat Nebraska. So I'm anticipating a really good game. I am too. I mean, I've seen the not not that we're endorsing gambling or anything, but I saw the line at about five and a half. I thought Vegas is expecting it to be a good game. And <laughs> yeah, so, hey, yeah. we're, we're right there. Yeah. I guess we need to reach out to Jared and Adrian, kind of see what their thoughts are. Yeah. And, and speaking of, you heard their podcast on, the, I guess, the pregame summary. Yeah, they released uh, an episode, when you hear this, this week, previewing the Illinois game, previewing the depth chart that just came out this week from our side, from UTSA. 
Um, so if you want uh, detailed news on what UTSA is looking like, what Illinois is looking like, their predictions on the game, uh, their breakdown of Illinois and UTSA, go ahead and check out their Alamodo Audible podcast anywhere. It's a free podcast anywhere where you get your, your podcast. So dive in there, runners. It's right there. That brings us to the football watch party at Anchor Bar. September 4th, that's the first game again against Illinois. For those of you that RSVP'd, we will see you out there. Uh, unfortunately, I believe it's been reserved out, right? Yeah, so we were taking RSVPs just because of the uh, the size of the venue. I think every RSVP uh, has been taken. So uh, if you ha- just as a reminder, if you have RSVP'd, we are looking forward to seeing you there. And, and hopefully we'll see others in the future at future events. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that they are showing it on the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. So do yourself a favor. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, I would call in advance and make sure they have the Big Ten Network showing. The Anchor Bar Watch Party starts at 5.30. Again, those that are RSVP'd, we will see you guys out there. That brings us on to the first home game. Yeah. So September 11th, UTSA Alumni Tailgate is at the SB, which is formerly Sunset Station. So we're back home. Yes, back home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some people may may, uh, look at me a little bit differently for saying that, but it's a really great venue. Alumni and guests, we strongly, strongly suggest that you RSVP on the website, utsa.edu backslash alumni. Scroll down for the events and click on the link to RSVP. Really need to get a good head count prior to getting in there. Uh, so the more that we can get RSVPs in, we're still going to be taking people in. Absolutely. Walk, yeah. Like walk-ins. But, you know, take advantage of your Alumni Association membership and join us at the tailgate. Yeah, it's going to be great. And if you haven't seen yet, the university is running um, a $10 promotion for tickets for that game. UTSA versus Lamar. 10 bucks. Yeah, can't beat that. Yeah, we got to pack that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so check that out on UTSA's website as well. Yeah, so September 11th, starting at 2 p.m. is the Alumni Association tailgate from 2 to 5. Then we'll make the march out to the stadium and watch the runners get the win. On September 8th, we would like to make mention that the Credit Human presents Understanding and Planning for Financial Help Online. That is from 12 to 1 on September 8th. So that's some more events that are coming your way. Like we mentioned at the top of the episode, go ahead and get your UTSA license plate. We're still got some time to order. We got to get to 200 plates. We're getting really close. Uh, again, another congratulations to Rosendo Garcia for winning the autographed football from Eric Souza. And we will be in contact with you to make sure all that goes down. But Adrian and Jared, thank you for your time for the interview. I do want to do some research to see if Jared actually started that tradition of covering, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. covering the road runner. Right, right. We got, yeah, more to come on that. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I think it'd be good for us to go ahead and kind of share some of their predictions as the season goes on. Again, go ahead and just Google Alamo Dome Audible Podcasts. Uh, it'll take you to all of their socials. They are very active on Twitter. They are both writers for Underdog Dynasty, so that you can get some more information on Roadrunner football and Roadrunner sports. But again, we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all the support that you've given us so far. Be sure to leave us a rowdy review and share this episode with your fellow Roadrunners. Next time, we're going to be chatting with Dean Kosman from the College Four for Community and Policy. Yes. And uh, that's a really great episode. The work that she's doing within San Antonio is fantastic. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And remember, bird is a word, and you heard it here first. Birds up. Birds up. Birds up.